Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the OrcoCast. My name is the Orcosaurus, and in this podcast, I'm talking to indie game developers about their games and the video game industry in general. So, if you like my show, then please consider subscribing on YouTube, thumb the video up, ring the bell, leave a comment, and if you're listening to one of the many podcast platforms, please consider us giving a review. And if you want to support us, please check out our Patreon. Thank you, everyone, and now on to the show. Here we go. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Orcacast. My name is the Orcasaurus and with me today is Haunted Husband. Hello there. Hello there. We have a slight change of pace today because a few people suggested that I open up my podcast to content creators too, since I'm a content creator myself. And I thought, yeah, it's a good idea. Why not do it? So Haunted Husband is officially the first content creator on the OrcoCast. So, you know, it is a big step for content creator kind, but a small step for Orc kind. How do you feel about that? Well, I don't know if I want to be the guinea pig because either I... I ruin it for everyone after me by either being a terrible guest or setting the bar too high or, you know, I just open the door and everyone wants to come on your show, which they should because this podcast is amazing. I've been listening to it religiously since you debuted it, so I'm happy to be here. Okay, thank you very much. The Haunted Husband, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm from the United States. I live on the east side of the United States. Uh, husband, father of three, uh, avid gamer, content creator, uh... <laughs> full-time uh, drone for the federal government, you know, that type of stuff. Uh, content creation is my hobby, it's my passion, and speaking with you today is uh, a goal, so I've achieved that. The rest of it's just gravy. Uh, that is awesome. I'm happy to hear that. Okay, so first things first. Normally, I would ask the indie dev to tell us a little bit about their current project but since you're a content creator i'm gonna ask you something different what is the type of content you personally specialize in Uh, I mean, that really depends on the viewer, actually, but uh, I personally strive mostly just uh, indie content, as most people would expect being on the, your podcast. I'm really big in the indie community. Um, I do a lot of uh, weird demo previews, if that makes sense. Um, I scavenge uh, Steam new releases, and I play a lot of terrible demos, um, good demos, and great demos. And I just basically want to take these games and bring them to the community as a large. So basically my main focus is uh, bringing the stuff that you wouldn't want to play or even think of playing to your eye sockets and then you digest it. And what or how do you, um, how do you relay your content to the audience? Is it video format? Is it in a podcast format? Do you stream? Uh, I do a little bit of everything. Um, I do uh, streaming on Twitch. I do YouTube videos. I do a lot of written reviews, whether on Steam or uh, independent indie magazines. Uh, I do Steam curation. Uh, I'm doing a podcast right now. So if there's any means to which I can bring it to someone, I am actively trying it as hard as possible. So basically you are everywhere, you could say. I'm, e- I'm everywhere and nowhere at the same time. That That is that is fantastic. How long have you been at it? Uh, I originally started a YouTube channel in 20, 2010. Uh, of course, you know, YouTube in 2010 was the wild, wild west. 
Uh, I started a 8-bit, 16-bit review type of channel, and I did like 15, 20 videos, and I got like over 100,000 views on those videos, but back in those days, there was no fair use licensing on YouTube. So every time you posted a video, they'd kick it back to you, and then you have to go through, pick why you, you did this, explain to them why you did this, and then they would either approve it or deny your video, which more videos got denied than get approved, but I just got tired of doing it. So fast forward to last year, um, home, uh, me and my wife just had our second child together, and so I had like three to four months of downtime and I'm like I really want to go back to making content I really enjoyed it I have to set up so I started with a lot of free games a lot of bottom barrel steam stuff and I just started building my channel for that so for the last I don't know 14 15 months I've been scraping away at it and do you grow oh yeah um the growth has been more this year than the last uh eight or nine months to be honest with you from March of 2001 sorry from march of 2021 to december of 2021 i was really in like a, a box like i only had like 125 130 subscribers on youtube i'd maybe like 200 subscribers or followers on twitch and so like i was just beating my head against the wall from march to december of last year i probably put out probably like 225 videos on youtube and that includes porting stuff over from twitch twitch vibes and stuff like that but uh this year from january to where we're at now i'm now sitting at like 1.6 thousand uh youtube subscribers and like 2.3 thousand twitch followers so like my market has really jumped up and if there's one thing to point to was veering away from like i hate to say it, but triple a titles because how many people are playing Fortnite, uh, Call of Duty, that type of stuff. So that March, it was oversaturated. And I'm like, I'm gonna go back to my indie roots where I started. And once I started playing like different interesting games, people started showing up. I started getting five, 15, 25 views on, on Twitch per stream. And I started getting like 10 to 25 subscribers a day on YouTube posting indie videos. So definitely going back to the indie roots, lifted me back up and really re, uh, fueled my passion to get back into it as hard as I have been. Okay, I mean, that doesn't sound too bad, actually, that <clears throat> because an interesting topic, I just watched a video uh, yesterday on by a pretty big YouTuber, so 1 million subs. He doesn't say outright you shouldn't do it, but he's pretty negative about starting YouTube. So it's kind of cool to see that a smaller creator is still like, yes, I'm fired up for this one, even if it's going slow. So, well, yeah. I mean, I feel like you have to start somewhere. Like, there, I think I read a statistic the other day that says there's, there's 120 new Twitch accounts made every day, and every day there's 50 to 60 first-time streamers happening so twitch in general is a very large ocean of people streaming so to start there to be like i'm gonna start on twitch i'm gonna go to the top it seems kind of difficult so i feel like youtube is a good place to start because you can make a video of something that's not being covered and then like you can get a small audience and you can take that audience from youtube and do I think YouTube has its own live streaming service. I've never used it, but it's like YouTube gaming or something like that. You can make a YouTube video, do YouTube gaming, or then 
take that audience and move them to Twitch if you want to or somewhere else. But uh, it's tough. Uh, every day there's hundreds of more YouTube channels. Every day there's hundreds of more streamers. So like a lot of people are being pushed out. And so like if you don't have an audience, I hate to be like the Grim Reaper on this, but like if you don't have an audience five, six months into your career, you, you might be circling the drain. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, it, it's it's fairly, but it's fairly easy to get a few people at least to watch a stream. At least it was for me when I started out. Well, you're hella entertaining, though. I, I, <laughs> I don't know if I am. <laughs> Maybe I am. Sometimes I question myself. Thank you. So, so what or. If you if you look like back on your journey from 2010 to now, because you said you had a YouTube channel, what what did change? Is there anything you said yes that definitely changed? And is it for the good or for the worse? I feel like YouTube coming along uh, and changing its policies. Like now, if you upload a video to YouTube say, with me gaming content, the licensing is already put in for you. It's it's a gaming license. You're altering the content by either doing like commentary or doing something else to where you're, it's fair use basically, uh, as opposed to like 10, 12 years ago, that didn't exist. So YouTube changing the game on that helped a lot. And especially because, you know, Nintendo used to be very litigious about having their games on YouTube and then they changed. So that changed a lot, but uh, companies giving a bigger opportunity to be like, you know what, if they want to play my game on YouTube, I'm not going to copyright strike them. I'm not going to demonetize them, let them have fun. Because to be honest with you, making content for YouTube, I'm just a PR machine. Like, because I'm not making really any money on YouTube, even though I'm monetized. Like, I'm getting pennies on the dollar from views. But the companies that I'm playing their games for, whether it be an indie company or a AAA company, they're reaping the benefits because someone comes across my content. Like, that looks good. I make two cents. They go out and buy the $60 game. So, but just the changing of the environment has really uh, been a big plus because if 2022 YouTube was the same as 2020 10 YouTube, it would be a very hard place to get ahead on or do anything really. Yeah, I, I remember that Nintendo creator program that you mentioned as well, where you had to go like into a contract with Nintendo and they took like a huge chunk of your revenue share too. So basically from the 70% you got from YouTube because YouTube keeps what, 30% I think? Is that correct? Um, there's varying degrees in the partner because I, technically I'm a YouTube partner now because I'm monetized, but there's varying levels depending on how successful you are. Uh, right now, I think I'm at the the 60 40 split with them hope that hope it doesn't get me in trouble but i don't care but i'm, I mean, I'm at 60 40 so i mean it's it's not really a secret i don't think i heard it's like 70 30 for people um 60 40 is still better than what twitch has to offer with 50 50 for yeah. affiliates and that's pretty well known if you i mean you're a youtube partner now it is much harder to to become a youtube partner Oh God, yes. Yeah. Then it is, for example, to to uh, become an affiliate of Twitch. Like, I don't know if you know him, but like Destiny, the twi big Twitch streamer who got banned from the platform and is now on YouTube, um, just recently said it's easier to it's easier to make fifty bucks on Twitch, but it's easier to make a living on YouTube. Would you agree with that sentiment? Um, I mean, if if I was sitting on his golden throne, <laughs> that would probably be the case. Like. If I was him or Ninja or somebody like that, that might be the case because you could switch platforms and you still make your money. But uh, as far as like YouTube goes, like uh, I'm getting um, ad revenue is basically what it is. Like if you come to my my video, there's a short ad that plays at the very beginning and there's probably like maybe an ad or two in the middle 
love it. And all three ads probably combined are probably like 34, 30, 40 seconds or something like that. I'm making pennies on the dollars on that. But uh, YouTube just invented or just started a, um, a subscription service, kind of like subscribing on Twitch to where you can join my YouTube channel. And it's like $3 a month, $9 a month, or like $20 a month. And you get different perks. The low tier, you get like badges and emotes, and then you get uh, special content in the mid tier. And then the top tier, you get like driven focus content, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Is it uh, what I've heard about this is that you can like um, gear your tiers uh, a little bit in terms of pricing is that true yeah you can you can make your own pricing to whatever yeah. you want it so your low tier could be a dollar mid tier could be three dollars basically it's like they it's combined patreon. it's it, patreon yeah, was, but on youtube that's exactly what i was about to say it's just patreon that's all it is and yeah. to be, so back to your original question you could go on to twitch right now say you had an audience of like five thousand people two thousand of those people will tune in and you get 50 gifted subs over that stream plus you get bits and donations like in like a couple hours work you could easily make 50 75 100 dollars your cut mind you not the full amount but your cut yeah. but on youtube like that would be like thousands of hours of people watching your videos which is fine yeah. if you have the audience on youtube like there's some there's some people who have like 1 million 2 million 3 million subscribers on youtube and their videos are getting 25 to 100,000 watches that's fine you can make your money that way good good on you you'll get the gold play button on the back wall and you can have it in your videos congratulations but if you're at my range which is like the bottom range twitch is going to be a more lucrative production if you're in it for the money i think yes i i, I would i would agree at least with one thing um if you have a very large audience on youtube it's probably really easier to make a living but if you're in it for, for the money as well and want to monetize right away and you're good running a community your people watch you and whatnot you can always go to twitch as well and people will sub there and because a sub on twitch isn't expensive um you can draw people in with that if they just do a tier one sub for example i also use a patreon for for my youtube channel for example so there's also another way to monetize it um mm -hmm. i mean you can you can use a lot of stuff to, to get to the money but is that is the money part actually important for you or do you say youtube is a hobby um or content creation is a hobby first and foremost if i would ever um, go to prime time i would love that but if i didn't i wouldn't be mad either or do you want to say yes i want to be prime time to be honest with you like if at the end of this rainbow the pot of gold was being able to do twitch and youtube full time i would love that i have two small kids um i'd get to spend more time with them my day job now is 4 30 in the morning to 4 30 in the afternoon so i do 12 hour shifts five days a week so like my home time is very limited so be able to stay home and do this full time would be an absolute dream but the problem is the percentage of people who make that happen is so small like if i had a ballpark it, it's probably five percent five percent of people can make a full-time career off of content creation twitch youtube whatever you want to call it, whatever your platform is but yes i would love to do it but right now it's not about the money um in fact a year and a half into this i've i'm 10 times more into it than I've gotten out of it. And I don't care because I'm having a good time. I get to meet people like you. I get to make friends with developers like Frosted Fears and uh, 
a guy named Friends who's making Expedition and stuff like that. So making friends and, and commuting in the community and networking is much more valuable than money to me at the moment. But if I had to make a living off of this, I would not at the moment. That's for sure. I mean, well, what about you? Well, what about what you? About, like, what? What about me? I'm interviewing you. <laughs> I know, but it, like I've listened to a lot of these, uh, and very rarely does someone come back at you with a question. And since we're content creator to content creator, what about you? Like, if what would it take for you to go full time and just do uh, content creation and this for a living? What would it take? Um, I'm I'm gonna be honest. Um, I would probably need around three k euros to live comfortably per mm -hmm. month. More wouldn't hurt, obviously. I would obviously love to do this full time because I feel like I also could really pull it off. But I do treat it as a hobby first and foremost. I've been at it for four years now. I started almost four years. In October, it's going to be four years. I started out on Mixer, um, which a good friend of mine basically calls the streamer college, which is <laughs> actually was. And now we all moved over to Twitch. Uh, my friend who called it streamer college is doing gang gangbusters on Twitch. I mean, it's not like she can live off of it or anything, but she's killing it for somebody who basically started out two years ago or something. And are you are you familiar with the uh, the Twitch or YouTuber by the name of Northern Line? Mm, I think I've heard of him. Uh, I kind of had a similar path that he did because uh, he started back in like 2010. He's been doing this for like 12 years and watching his content was what got me kind of started. But, you know, I tapered off and went back to real life. But uh, it took him six years, five, six years of doing it to be able to go full time. So yeah, it takes a very, very long time. Uh, just I, I was talking about a video uh, earlier with or, or I've seen a video earlier uh, yesterday by one of my favorite YouTubers. He's called Super Eyepatch Wolf. <laughs> and what he made basically was a video about um, online influencer courses. And, but it was so much more than just that. He talked about like what his experience was, for example, to go to 1 million. And he's also on YouTube seven years and he only made it after five years. So since he's um, since he's on YouTube now uh, with over a million, but he reached that million only in 2020, in December of 2020. It's crazy what like it takes some people five, six, seven years to reach the goal, and then there's people out there who can do it in a month, two months. I, I don't I don't think it's crazy, and here is why. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. Um, give, give me some knowledge. I, I, I don't I don't proclaim to know everything or anything um some people who do it in a very short amount of time they do two things they under they at that very moment they understand what the next trend will be they hop on it and they get super lucky with it look at harris heller the moment he understood that the music industry will come for twitch because of the music he created stream beats, like this DMCA free music for streamers. He's a made man now because he was smart enough to see that coming. He was smart enough to hop on it, invest into it, and then use his already existing platform because it wasn't like he was a nobody, but he had an already existing platform. He had the Alpha Gaming channel with, I think, 300k subscribers and Twitch. He had like a CCV of 1000 people, but like still that was an insane power move from him to do that. And I think Ludwig 
if we look at him, was the same. He understood what it takes to become the next big one. And I think you have to be very lucky to see that, because I think all these people are very smart, but I think there's also a good portion of luck involved. There is no set thing that gives you a leg up. And other people, um, for example, one of my favorite YouTubers is Grimbeard. That guy's on that platform for now, uh, I don't know, four years or whatever. But he just does what he wants and he's setting comfortably at 40k. But he's so good. Like, he makes an hour-long video essay about a video game that he just loves. And they are so fantastically made but nobody finds him because he makes it about very niche games or very old games that nobody wants to look up and that's there's why a, people sometimes take longer there's another creator there when you say him um, it reminds me of this creator uh indie mouse is his name indie mouse. and he does this he does the same thing where he puts out like one video like a month and it's like yeah. a 30 45 minute long video which doesn't seem long but it there's so many like edits cuts uh, extras it's like a love letter to the game that he's previewing or playing and i would love to do that but my editing abilities is not great uh so i make all my love to it at live and just hope it goes well yeah no i i do somewhat understand that but that's also a thing that that you have to keep in mind uh about youtube is the fact that you are on such a highly competitive platform that you I mean, I, I would even say that editing is almost a given that you command a little bit of knowledge on editing software, at least basic stuff. Yeah, um, there's some of my videos that have like, uh, that somehow get like into like four or five parts due to like a recording editor. So I had to go back and splice them all together and the cuts are perfect. Cutting yeah. is easy, but like going back and putting like, uh, like memes or like movie references or sound overdubs and stuff like that. Like It's also like, extremely time and is uh, time intensive which i totally understand because i actually do the editing for a friend and for myself and i don't sometimes like editing is hard work like if i could afford an editor i would i would just throw money at them and say here here's the footage you, just you do it it's your, it's your problem now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, I, I sometimes the, the stuff I play, I wouldn't also want to throw at an editor, honestly, because I just play fucked up shit sometimes. <laughs> yeah, see, that we're, we're in two different markets because I've watched some of the games you play and I'm like, I can't play that. Just, just because, like, the way my audience trends and, like, I'm very deep into the YouTube analytics and, like, age brackets and stuff like that that, the, that they give you on YouTube. And I'm like... Yeah, because I see those type of games, like, some are free and some are, like, really cheap on, on Steam. I'm like, I could cover this, yeah. and I, I download it. I'm like, yeah, no one's going to so let me just be safe, put this in the vault for later, if my market ever turns. Like, this is this is one thing I, for example, don't do. I don't look at analytics. I just do my thing. And because I feel like when you do a YouTube video, that was also a point of the... I, I need to link you that video if you have two hours to waste. It's, 
It's fantastic. Um, what you should do first and foremost is probably videos that you would like to watch or the art basically that you would like to do on YouTube. And I totally agree with that. And I just right. want to talk about games in general and like the channel. program I do specifically, you know? So yeah, and I'm just going to do that. I mean, I mean, I basically, mm. I don't put anything on my channel that I would not normally play. Uh, there are Obviously. some... But there are some rare um, circumstances. Like I'm a member of the uh, Indie Game Collective. I'm a content creator for them. And so like I get assigned projects and I sign up for some projects and other projects get assigned to me. And there's some things that are not in my wheelhouse, but I still play and have a good time playing it. And sometimes there's some games I play and I'm just like, I have to shine this turd up so good and hope that it floats. But it just is what it is sometimes. And being content driven, because I'm on an insane pace, mm -hmm. let me tell you, from, from May 1st to June 30th of this year, I put out like 130 videos in two months. And that's just an, an insane pace. So sometimes you have to play what you want, sometimes it's not. But yeah, but definitely play what you're interested in. The audience will be there if it's there, because you can't force it. Because like, I'm a good, I feel like I'm a good reader on watching other people's content. I'm like, this person's not having fun playing this game. Like, so I'm not too sure why he's playing it. Maybe it's for views, maybe it's, it's a, an obligation or something, but you know, they're just grinning and bearing it playing this game. Me, I want to be laughing, I want to be cursing. I want to get angry, to be honest with you. I want to be angry. I want to get so tilted off my rocker and get so salty I have to go take a shower after I finish playing a game. <laughs> yeah. And it happens. I mean... But no, that's that. But that's what it's about, first and foremost, for me, and like probably my general point is just having fun is probably I, the 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 most. I mean, we agree on that, obviously. But like for everyone who wants to start out YouTube or start out streaming or whatever, make it about fun first and foremost. That is just my message for also listeners, because you never know who listens. So if you're listening to this right now and you're into content creation, you're probably listening to the master or himself talk about it. And I'm just here, just kind of bobbing along. Um, play what you want to play. You're not going to get monetized overnight. It's not going to happen because to get monetized on YouTube, you need a thousand subscribers and 4,000 watch hours, if I remember correctly. Exactly. Uh, Play the games you enjoy, whether it's an RPG, whether it's a little naughty, if that's your type of thing. Um, but just enjoy the game. And if you enjoy it, your audience will react. And take that same momentum to Twitch if you want to live stream. Play games that you want to play. Don't go to uh, Twitch and be like, what are the 10 most popular games right now? Uh, 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 Tarkov. Uh, Fortnite, uh, Call of Duty. If that's not your thing, don't force it to be because it's not mine because I can't play first-person shooters because I get motion sickness, but that's a different story altogether. But play what you love and you'll never work a day in your life except your real job, which will murder you over time. Yeah, exactly. But that's a whole other kind of... So if you could change anything about the content creator world, what would it be? I would like to change the stigmatism around it. And this would be kind of like deep and personal and I apologize to the listeners if it, if it sounds like me whining but uh, it's very difficult for a content creator because most of the stuff that you were trying to put out has to be free stuff because a lot of the, the niche games and the good games that come out are 10, 15, 20 plus dollars and we just can't afford to pay for it every time 
and so like a lot of the free content that we put out but this is what i want to the stigmatism that's right here it is nothing wrong with a content creator asking a developer publisher for a steam key or a copy of the game because i have been called out a couple times by former friends on twitch and twitter uh, about asking developer publishers for steam keys to review their games and to cover their games as we talked earlier there's not a lot of money in this at the, at the level that we're at. So sometimes you need to ask a developer for a key for a $20 game. So you could do a 30 to 45 minute review video, play it for a couple hours on Twitch or something. So like, I just want to get that stigmatism out of the way and just say in content creation, you're not a scum. You're not a, a leech. You're not a bottom feeder. If you ask a content creator, I mean, a, a publisher developer for a steam key. That's all I want to say. That's what I would like to change. I didn't actually know that there was like this huge stigma attached to it. I only ever seen people complaining about it that are not content creators. And I just struck those off because they don't create content. They don't know what's going in, in it. Yeah, I was actually uh, personally attacked. I was watching uh, someone stream who I thought was we had done some collaborations together before i thought we were at least acquaintances if not friends and uh they were very pointed about uh calling calling me like a bloodsucker a leech on the indie game community for asking content creators i mean publishers for steam keys and free copies of the game because you're not supporting indie games if you get free stuff so oh, like, no. if you want to you yeah. absolutely don't. It makes total freaking sense. Oh so yeah. So like after that happened, like I just closed the the stream. I, I literally I deleted the tweet. I really went on I went on Twitter and I'm like, you know what? This was like a month or two ago. And I'm like, you know, I'm just done. And I'm like, I worked so hard and so passionately for the community to bring you bring attention to these games that don't get any light of day. They're covering all this great stuff and then just to be attacked. And there was probably a couple hundred people watching that stream. And there was a couple of tweets by that. That creator after it that didn't name me directly but it's like if you were watching the stream you know what's happening type of thing that got saw by a couple hundred people so i mean so in essence to like 500 people i got called out and i mean it really hurt and so like i literally thought about just walking away from content creation and the indie community altogether and just be like it's not worth it if this is what people think i actually am i I do understand that, but on the other hand, I'm gonna be frank with you. Like, 70% of the indie games I show on my stream, I have not paid for. I don't, Wait. like, I'm, I'm gonna be frank. The frequency, the frequency I show these games in, I mean, I will, will slow it down. I will, like, on my personal stream, I will do a few changes because I wanna narrow down my focus of games or genres I play. I will still play indie games, but I wanna narrow it down a little bit for me um, and what was, most people don't, and what most people don't understand is like on my twitter profile there's my business email address and anyone at any time can contact me through my business email address and about four to four to six times a week i get a email from a developer publisher with a steam keys like i enjoy your content will you play my game or will you review this game and or when i when I go out of my way to ask someone for a key or something, I'm like, if you give me a key to this, I'm going to give you a 30 to 45 minute video on my YouTube channel that has a couple thousand followers. I'm going to play it for an hour, maybe two hours on Twitch to uh, my audience. Then I'm also going to make some tweets about it. I'm like, I'm going to do a whole bunch of like content around it to get as much PR and as much buzz on your game as I can in my community. And I feel like if I sell five or seven extra copies for you, maybe that overrides the one key that you gave me. 
Yeah, exactly. And I've sold games too. Like, for example, I'm I'm part of the versus evil uh, versus evil herald program, so I'm basically partnered with them. And I mean, okay, to be fair, that's a huge selling point for some of my f viewers fans. My voice is in the game, uh, in a game of them. My voice is in Unmetal. There's mm -hmm. a content creator DLC pack for that that you can download and then you can activate like different uh, content creators and they say certain lines in the game. And I just told them, hey, you know what? Here, I have a lot of Unmetal. Uh, I, I've, I have voice lines in here. Do you want to buy this? And like four people ran and buy it, bought it. Not buy it, bought it. My English is deteriorating. I didn't know that you did voice acting because I do that as well. I got a couple games uh, coming out in this year, beginning of next year, that I actually have uh, voiceover for. So I I do try and dabble a little bit. I haven't had a real big role or anything or a role at all. I just have that voice in yeah, in in Unmetal so far, but I will probably more of it. Yeah. So that that's at least a plan. But yeah, I um to go back to the question. Like if you if you look at current trends of the content creation space, like reacting to YouTube videos on stream, or just in general, like if you if you look at the meta mm -hmm. of content creation, is there anything you particularly like or dislike? I I have a strong dislike, and this is gonna put me into like a niche corner of people who like double and triple dip on their content. Uh, people who make a video and then they stream said video on Twitch to do a reaction video, and then they take that reaction video that they made on Twitch and then bought it over to YouTube. So like double, triple dipping on their content, that kind of bothers me. It seems lazy in my eyes, but if that's what your audience is into, that's fine. But it just seems super lazy to me. As far as things that I really enjoy is definitely the uh, viewer-driven content. And by that, I mean, I started playing Everblade on my channel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I played like a 30-minute video of it because that's the, the agreement that I made with the developer publishers on that. And like, it took off. Like, it got like 300 views in like 24 hours. So like seeing that, like the metadata of like people are really into this, but you know, with any type of episodic series that you do, especially on YouTube, uh, the number is going to continue dropping the more episodes you do. Yeah. And so like, I figured like to, cap uh, to capitalize on that, then I made a couple more episodes and, you know, they kept dipping, but you know, they were within reasonable levels. So uh, being able to use the, the metadata, because you said you don't look at analytics and stuff like that. And I do to a point to try to figure out Especially if I'm doing like episodic series, like viewer engagement, because if I'm doing, I'm playing like a five part series or a six part series and like people are only watching like 15 minutes of like one episode and then turn, tuning out. I'm like, well, maybe I should just cut down my episodes because that's something I struggle with a lot is the length of an episode for YouTube, because a lot of people don't have 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour a sitting to watch a video. And so you have to hope that they'll come back to finish said video or you know just in general but so i try to struggle with that all a lot but hate people who double triple dip on their content it just bothers me a lot but i really enjoy the viewer focused content because i mean if they're not going to watch it i mean i'm still going to make it who am i lying i'm, I'm still going to make the content but i just prefer somebody watches it yeah i have a very passionate and strong dislike for actually reaction channels or people who basically react to youtube uh, videos on twitch and then post that reaction to YouTube. 
as you said. Um, so you must hate you must hate people reacting to reaction videos who are reacting to your action videos. Like and, and I, I don't I don't watch that because it's like I can't tell you how stupid I think that is. Why would you react to a reaction? It's like I'm gonna go back to the the content creator I was talking about earlier, Northern Lion, he's real good friends with... I don't know if you know who Dan Giesling is. Uh, doesn't ring a bell. Uh, he was a Big Brother winner uh, here in the States. He also has a, a nice Twitch uh, following as well. He's a super nice guy. He does PG content. He doesn't do any cursing or any of that type of stuff. But they did a series of... Uh, he would react to one of Northern Lion's videos, and then Northern Lion would react to him reacting, and then he would react to him reacting to him reacting, and it got like six or seven levels deep, and it, it was just like, why I mean, am I watching that, this? And, but, I, mean, I mean, but that sounds more like something where they just made like a joke out. But, but then you have people who do that, and they think it's, I hate, to say, I hate to say it's good content, but it's not good content. Like, people who actually make a living, a good living on YouTube and Twitch, doing reaction videos to reaction videos because people want to see them react to reactions and I'm like yeah I don't I don't get it um, it, it's it, it's a trend I guess which we just have to contend with it's something I would never do there is a there is a streamer slash youtuber called dark viper au um, he did actually a phenomenal video on why reaction videos are actually bad because they always say like yeah but the people on my chat they will subscribe and whatnot um but they don't so if we're talking about terrible trends i i have a question for you yeah and it's probably gonna get you in trouble a little bit but um what is your take on hot tub bikini streamers on twitch um i honestly don't really care for them they don't really rile me up in any way shape or form um or or evoke any strong emotions i mean if if twitch says okay we we are going to be a softcore porn site then so be it i do not really care because twitch has other issues it needs to take care of first before we address this kind of stuff that, i just think it's kind of like i just think it's kind of like the the lowest it's like the lowest hanging fruit, if you ask me, because, I mean, it was during the, uh, I forget which fighting championship it was, uh, maybe it was Evo or something, but on the Evo Twitch channel, they had like 15,000 people watching, which is amazing, but on the Twitch front page next to the Evo thing was a woman in a bikini, and she had like 100,000 people watching her. I'm like, most of those people probably should be on the fighting game channel, but, you know, they launch Twitch, and they're like, well, I'm going to hang out here for an hour or three or five. I mean, I, I can see that argument, but like I said, I do personally think that uh, we need to fix other stuff on the platform first before we go like, or should we go at all after hot tub titty streamers, you know? Um, fruit i will agree to that but i feel like like i said i i can't really bring myself to react really strongly to that it's yeah there, it twitch has a lot of uh let's say dark alleys i guess that's the best way you want to say that there's a lot of dark alleys where uh things happen in them and then twitch can't seem to put a, a light on it or just doesn't want to so i feel like if we if we talk about stuff that terrible on twitch i feel like gambling streams are way worse than some titty streams but then again i'm also european so it might be also a cultural thing yeah gambling here yeah, is uh, i mean there's is a vice still uh it's i mean it's not really legal everywhere in the states i mean 
you have your legalized gambling, which is like lotteries and stuff like that. Then we have Atlantic City, Vegas, uh, Biloxi, stuff like that. But I mean, here you're more likely to be okay with someone in a uh, bikini in a hot tub than you are a gambling stream. But I almost, uh, I was thinking more towards like, I mean, I don't want to name anything particular. Like, I don't want to like pencil in the lines, but there are some things that are harmful to certain individuals that happen on Twitch daily. And when reported, Twitch turns into someone who has no idea what you're talking about. And then these people just continue to per perpetuate this behavior until cancel culture comes from them. And then people react to cancel culture as, well, was it really that bad? And then you go back and look at the logs and you're like, well, okay, it was that bad. Because there's been streamers on Twitch who um, use like slurs, uh, some homo homophobic language as well. And Twitch doesn't do anything about that until the community comes after them. And then Twitch is like, okay, we'll, we'll suspend them for a week or, you know, will take more of their earnings to donate to charity or something but you're right there are bigger issues on twitch other than the thing that i brought up so you are correct yeah and like, like i said for me personally i try to just think of where what kind of what kind of stuff needs fixing and we should actually address it with the biggest woman and from go from top to bottom that's at least my philosophy when it comes to fixing issues uh, and like i said i'm i'm also european so i i see things obviously due to the cultural heritage and just for the viewers that are not aware i'm from germany so I, I grew up in a country where it's perfectly okay to see titties after the dinner. I mean, not naked ones, but like women in bikinis or whatever is not something that is here, like particularly frowned upon or anything. It's just, you know, I'm... I, I don't feel strongly about them. I Like I said, I agree with you on that point that it's a bit of a low-hanging fruit. But then again, what isn't low-hanging fruit? Because if somebody comes into my stream and just says, Hey, you're going for low-hanging fruit. You are the one who just plays video games and talks to people. I feel like he would also kind of have a point. Maybe not as much but it's also not i'm i don't feel like i do all that much if i play video games and talk to people i make them feel welcome i do plan out the stream obviously there's more background uh work that i do but once i'm live it's actually pretty chill for me i would like to offer you the counterpoint on that as uh i don't see it as low-hanging fruit um while it is simplistic to play a video game uh you are offering let's say some type of entertainment to someone in a manner to which they can identify with um and then you have a conversation with them uh, you're very active with talking to your chatters and all that so you're making people's days better so forth and so on and then you could come back at me and be like well the woman in the hot tub is doing the same thing but i mean are they actually being enriched by that experience as opposed to coming into your chat and oh i didn't know that about that game or i didn't I never noticed that detail about the game and thank you for talking about that and you know I've just been having a bad day and hearing your voice just makes me want to you know do better so forth and so on so I don't see playing games and talking to people as low-hanging fruit as much as other things because to me the definition of low-hanging fruit is that it's just so simplistic and you just can't control yourself but to, to grab that juicy peach and just never mind I almost saw that metaphor right there <laughs> Well, I knew exactly where you would go. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that juicy peach. Okay, so which platform do you actually prefer, YouTube or Twitch? Uh, right now, 
because it's an ebb and flow for me really right now uh it's youtube is where i'm heavily at the moment my twitch streams have kind of fell off the last month or so with a uh, scheduled switch uh schedule switching up and stuff like that but uh right now youtube is nine percent time where you find me uh something if you're listening still listening to me talk at this point in the podcast thank you for still being here but something i didn't really do proper when i started was twitter and i have to talk about how important twitter is to content creation because when i first started my youtube and twitch channel i made a twitter and i didn't touch it for six months i would send out a tweet yeah i'm live or yeah i did this but i wasn't interacting with anybody on twitter and so that's something i've been doing this year and i've gone from 75 followers to over 400 followers today so twitter is you'll find me on youtube and you'll find me on twitter almost all the time so i'm looking to come back to twitch i have some big stuff coming up on twitch but right now youtube is where i'm i'm making my uh my home at the moment yeah that, that sounds but but it sounds um uh, like you are on a good way um with that because youtube is rocking it and obviously the, the fun part is if you if you can hold your audience on youtube they get incredible loyal because they come back to watch your videos over and over and over and then and then hopefully some will follow you over Twitch. Yeah, the the funnel. So, would you say that indie games are your like what part of the indie community do you enjoy the most? Is it the I, interactions? So what what is um? Because I see you there every week. You're doing uh, screenshot Saturday, which is Wednesday, trailer Tuesday. I see you in the indie community a lot. That's how we actually cross paths. Is I think it was probably like I, on a wishlist Wednesday or something. So. One thing I do is I work on my own game, so I obviously try also to get a little bit um, my name out there and that there is a uh, game coming by the Orcosaurus, obviously, but that's a long ways uh, away, but it's happening. Um, the other thing is what I, I think indie games in general do offer me much more than the AAA game industry because A, they make, and I'm gonna catch so much flack for that, but usually they make the better games. I mean, you're not wrong, so... I mean, no, obviously I'm not wrong, I'm mostly right. I say I'm seven. I'm, I'm right seventy five percent of the time, all the time. <laughs> uh, and it's but but there will always be people who then say yeah, but uh, indie games are shit too, which is not the argument here. Um, I feel more at home with the indie games I play. Um, I also will play. Uh, let's say triple a releases as well um i just got this is what i'm very proud of actually uh i just got a key for rune factory 5 which is a huge release and it's nice. not and it's not like a small game and I will play this as well. I like. I will play from triple A to indie everything that I like. That is the important part. I have to like it. And I feel like also that some indie developers are much more approachable than obviously the big triple A devs who have large amounts of fans and are just there to talk uh, via a marketing department so like i said for me personally it is very much more they they make the better games and they're more approachable i think that that's that's probably how i would sum it up because as you you are listening off the podcast like 
one episode I'm extremely proud of is the one with uh, Recombobulator Games. The really mm -hmm. long one. And, like, for example, Louis, Louis, former EA uh, developer, Bioware developer, is... I, I would have never dreamt in my life to talk to someone like him if he would still work for Bioware. But since he went indie and does his own thing now, I, I was able to talk to him. And it was such... It, it was actually an honor for me to talk to someone like that. And he's also a frequent viewer, which blows my mind. Would you say that he's that was your favorite interview so far? It was. I would say I don't really have favorites, but it's. I would say it's it's probably my best one. As a host, you're allowed to have favorites. So I mean, it's okay. No feelings hurt. I don't do favorites. But That's, I mean, I'm. But I'm with you in the indie community. Um, I'm there every week uh, with the hashtags on. Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, so forth, and I'm interacting with many devs, publishers, solo artists, I'm talking to people who make music, I'm talking to people who just do graphics. I really enjoy being immersed into the indie community as a whole, and my name has some weight in the indie community, not to put too much, you know, weight on my back or, you know, break my arm trying to pat myself on the back, but uh, I really enjoy them. I just have, like, two issues with the indie community, and I'm going to burn some bridges with this one uh if you make a game and you release it whether it's on itch.io or steam allow me to contact you make a twitter make a facebook page make an email because i want to talk to you about your game i have played too many good games that i just could not reach developer publisher because they just did not have any contact information i mean in That's general in general if you run a business you should be reachable in some way i mean I especially you you need to be like, and then I run into the a different issue to where they do have a, a contact information. Um, geez, I wish I could remember the name of the game I just played not too long ago. But I was the only person who played it and reviewed it. I was the only review on it. I was the only video on YouTube about it. And so the person had a, a Twitter. So I followed them on Twitter. I was the only person following them on Twitter. And I sent them a DM and they just ghosted me. I mean, that that happens to me too. I don't want to name a name, but um, I think sometimes it just gets lost in the volume because I was reaching out to a to a person of, of an um, indie publisher because I have a contact right there so i don't go through keymailer or any of these sites um i was reaching out to them asking them twice uh for a uh, a key for a gate never heard from them back i just shrugged moved on um now they are releasing a new game i uh wrote them and just fine first email answer got the key i mean depending upon like the type of game the popularity game when the game's releasing they probably have to slog through so many uh key requests and i get it you can't give everybody a key but i mean there should still be someone there evaluating each request on its head because every time i e email someone or contact someone like i always put my contact stuff like my twitch my twitter and my youtube so they could see that I'm, I'm not full of crap like look i actually have this many subscribers this many followers like i actually have this many people watching my content i, I promise i'm not lying help me please i mean i i do volunteer work for a publisher and for example i go if if we get a key request we don't get that many at the moment because we're still a small publisher but um i do these key requests and i go really into the channel and look at their numbers and if, if i feel like they <laughs> look off 
they don't get a key. Uh, because if you, if you have like 500,000 subscribers and your videos don't crack like 200 views, I think there's something wrong with your channel. Very much so, because something I just found out like a couple weeks ago that you actually can buy YouTube and Twitch followers and subscribers. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that there was a site out there that you could just pay someone and it'll just make a whole bunch of accounts and just inflate your numbers. I didn't know that existed. I, I I knew that this existed. I know that you can do that. You can also buy live views for Twitch. You can also buy like views for your YouTube video and whatnot. Um, it is a lot that you can do. Um, I would never recommend anyone doing that. No, because for I mean, it's, reasons. Oh, I mean, one, it's it's probably a term of service issue. Yeah, definitely. You, I mean, I mean, that's that's probably even the least of your problems because if nobody reports you, you won't get found out. But what happens is people will catch onto it. Like if you have a set amount for example we are talking about uh, youtube if you have 250,000 subs but only 300 people watch your videos that looks so phony nobody will ever subscribe to your channel and i think from a, a content creator standpoint like if you go out and you buy uh, subscribers or followers depending on which platform you're talking about it just gives you a, a self-inflated issue because like oh i got 500 a thousand two thousand subscribers whatever but the thing is do you though because no one's watching your content you could buy as many people as you want but no one's going to watch your stuff so what's the point like i don't understand the point behind doing that maybe it's just to get monetized maybe it's just to you know boost yourself up or something but i just don't get the point of of buying that type of stuff because it's not going to benefit you in any way shape or form in the long run i rather have 50 subscriber that all listen to what i do than 500 where only one percent of them listens exactly exactly uh it's like i don't know you some people just do it um it's it it's absolutely phony and if i see a channel i, I mean to be fair i have to i have to preface that to be fair if the channel goes back a very very long time like if that's a channel that's around since 2010 or something um then it might also not be phony um but the channel just died that can happen too because they like didn't evolve their content they got stale and people just went somewhere else because that can happen too obviously but yeah and then you come to the the bigger issue is like uh, i used to follow why well, actually i still follow their channel the super best friends i don't know if you're familiar with their content i've heard the name before um they got real big yeah and then they had a falling out and then the channel just died because they couldn't work with each other anymore. And the, I mean, and their channel had over 100,000 subscribers. They were, they had uh, content through Machinima. They had content through other publishers. Like they were getting paid big dollars and the two main people just couldn't get along anymore. And so they just had to split from each other. Now they're doing their own projects, which is, is enjoyable, but not as enjoyable as when they were together. So sometimes that happens. Sometimes the channel just dies because the people behind it could be uh, could be the performer and the editor just don't work together anymore and they can't do the jobs differently independent of each other, so. Yeah, I mean, that the same basically happened for the Game Grumps, I think. Yeah. Uh, it never, after John Tron left, and I know that a lot of people will disagree with me and that is okay. If you enjoy the game grounds just enjoy them i will not uh, take that away from you but for me personally i think that 
since Jontron left, it just, yeah, did not. Okay, I'm going to jump in the same boat with you, and then we can go down together. I feel like Jontron brought the comedy to the game rooms. Like, he was the legs. Uh, the other guy whose name was Aaron. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think Aaron was the straight man, and, you know, John was the comedy man. And once you remove his big personality away from it, because Jontron is a very large personality, the person he ended up replacing him with was not in the same shoes. And so... I'm, I don't want to say the quality of it, but definitely the quality of it is not the same, and it's hard to watch, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I also agree, Jontron is just an incredibly talented comedian, and he he brought something to the Graham Grumps, and the chemistry also was there um, between the two, between Aaron and him, that can not be replicated by anyone else. That is just a fact of life. But I mean, you have to feel bad for Aaron because Aaron still has to make a living. And so he had to fill the spot and just be like, this is my life now. I live in this little corridor. I mean, he could have went solo himself, but he had the Game Grumps brand apparently. He gets the majority stake in that from the split. So he had a popular brand, he had to ride it. Has it been doing as well? No, but I mean, he's still making a decent living, I, I assume. He he does. I mean, you can, well, uh, in Generally, people say if you are smart enough and business savvy enough, if you have around a hundred thousand followers on YouTube, you can make a living off of it. That's the general sentiment, what I heard. Um, so he, he's probably still doing fine. He has a lot of side ventures and whatnot. So yeah, um, I think Aaron is gonna be fine. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure his money will be okay. So. Like I said, just it was it was just a, or another um, one I I wanna uh, wanna bring up. What also kind of went to shits was Skydos Minecraft. Yeah, that was also a pretty old channel that just went to shit. You have to evolve the audience, and there's a lot of niche channels out there that just cover one thing, like Minecraft, Fortnite, uh, Valor, Tarkov. That's all they cover. That's fine, but eventually you have to phase out that audience and bring in new audience at the same time. So your overturn has to be under what your intake is, and how many more people are going to be getting interested in Tarkov that are getting less interested in Tarkov. It seems like a very delicate equation for me. Like, that's the proverbial putting all your eggs in one basket type of scenario. Not not only that, but also Tarkov has been a game that is constantly um, uh, doing so-so with its popularity. Um, it was... I, I personally actually like Tarkov a lot. Its, its base concept is just fantastic, but the game itself has so many issues um, that I just said I'm gonna hold off until they fully release it, if they ever fully release it. Um, I got my money's worth from what I've played. I put 900 hours into Tarkov, so... Dang. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good on that from... Yeah. I got sucked into uh, Lost Ark. Yeah, uh, did, I, you, I, did, did, I, did you play any I, of that? Yeah, I did, but I can't. I, I'm not a, a like, creative play kind of dude. I just get bored and wander, wander off and look for something to kill and then I realize, oh my god, this is so boring and I can't do this in another shooter better. And then just boot up <laughs> the shooter. Because I... It, I'm just, you know, I'm not hardwired on killing or anything. I, I also like strategy games and horror games and whatnot, but 
I can't, this, this creative stuff isn't for me. The only two that really clicked with me in that regard were Valheim and uh, V Rising. Those were really good for this like creative playset, but both had very strong uh, combat and other components as well. So those creative um, and playing stuff was just the icing on top of it for me. Like it feels, for example, in Me Rising, it feels really good to go out, to beat up boss, and then to get something uh, in return where you can then do your castle again uh, or remodel your castle a little bit. And that's kind of what Lost Ark was to me. Like I would get sucked into playing it for several hours and I would just be out farming, you know, dregs or something like that, just looking for like rare gear. And then like after a couple hours of that, I'm like, you know, I could have done so much more with my life over the last couple hours. But the, you know, those things are, I hate to call them time wasters, but they're, they're time wasters. I mean, but there's a lot of people who get sucked into it, that and World of Warcraft and other MMORPGs like that who lose hours upon hours a day. And then you're talking about several hundred hours a year in any of these games. But I mean, if people enjoy them, I'm not going to, I'm not going to crap on them for it. I just, I spent like 125 hours playing Lost Ark and then I'm just like, I need to make some changes in my life and it stopped. Yeah. I mean, if you're good with that, you're good with that. That's all good. So what comes next for the Haunted Husband? Um, what are your content creation goals? Up next for me um, is I got a long pipeline of stuff I need to work on. Uh, as you know, I was in under the weather for like a week and uh, I just couldn't make any content. So I'm like dredged behind. I got like 30 videos I need to make. So and it's all indie content. It's all uh, sponsored, uh, driven content type of stuff like that. So it's stuff I really enjoy. Um, on the far horizon, I'm actually working with our mutual friend, uh, Frosted Fears, on a game or two. We're in the early stages of talking about uh, the game, the mechanics, what we aspire to be out of it. Uh, Cause you know, I'm an idea man. I'm not an indie game developer per se. Like I don't know any programming languages. I can't draw to save my life. So I'm gonna lean heavy on him for that. But uh, I just plan to mock out some more videos, some more enjoyment out of my viewers and hopefully in the next year or so get that game out, hopefully. Cause you know, from talking to him on your podcast, you know, he's working on like two games at the moment as well. So yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not a high priority for him, I'm not, and I'm not pushing him at all. We had just been talking about, because I've known him for like almost two years now. In fact, I don't know if he knows this or not, but he was the very first developer that I actually asked for a Steam key from, the very first when I started my uh, YouTube channel up. So he was the very first one. And so like we've been talking for almost two years now about collaborating on something, and hopefully this pans out. If not, I just enjoyed uh, him as a developer, a publisher, he's a good friend, and uh, hopefully we can get some together. Hey, maybe get you involved as well. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> I would be down for some collab. The more creative people you get involved on something, it only can be better, right? I mean, it's, there's no way it can go bad. Oh, I've, I've <laughs> dude. I've, I've seen so much in my life. Like, this is another thing in the content creator world that is happening a lot, which I thoroughly dislike. Can you can you guess what it is? I have an idea, but I just want to hear you say it. Drama. Yeah. So much drama. I don't do a lot of uh, video collaborations. I used to, when I first started on Twitch, 
Uh, I joined a discord of like-minded small streamers and we would do two streams a week where it was just a giant collaboration of like four or five people playing like Jackbox party games or like Castle Crashers or something. And it was difficult enough to get two to three people to agree on a game, but then to correlate four to five to six different schedules to do it was even worse. And then everything ended up falling apart because people started hitting each other. So I just don't do collabs anymore. It would have to be a, a particular project with like-minded people that I enjoy working with to really get me to do that. Otherwise, you know, I'm good on my own because I'm only dependent upon myself. And if it doesn't get done, it's my fault. I will totally 100% agree to that. Um, I just, I, I don't want to go into too much detail. Uh, I will, if you're interested, I can talk to you privately about it. But I was part of a streaming team and that just broke completely apart. And the stuff that followed afterwards was just a mess. So yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I see it on, on small stream Twitter. I see it on big stream Twitter. There's always somebody waging drama with somebody else. And yeah, people don't generally don't like to get called out as well because they just get their feelings hurt or whatever, despite being in the wrong. It, it, and to me, it's some of the reasons that people get into these uh, uh, keyboard spats is probably the best way to say it, because very rarely will someone go on video and be like, you know, I have a problem with uh, orcs because, you know, he did this to me, he did that to me. Usually it's it's on Twitter or it's some type of like meandering post here or there. It's like, and to me, a lot of the reasons some people get mad, especially the bigger streamers, is like uh, revenue splits. Well, you said if I did this video with you that we'd split it 50-50 on the revenue sites and you only gave me X amount of dollars. I think it did this amount of money. Like, like if, if you're so hard about the money when it comes to like revenue splitting on a video, just don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Because I belong to uh, just a, I belong to a, a discord of small to large streamers. It's kind of like a small private uh, discord. And me and a bunch of other people my size act as feeders for larger streamers. Like we play all these games you see on my channel and on Twitch and stuff like that. And we go into that little uh, discord and we're like, hey, we played uh, Empire Survivors, we played 20 Minutes to Midnight, we played such and such. Like, this game is just pog rich, it's viewer driven, if you play it on your stream, it's gonna be really good. And so I go from being like one of the first 15, 20 people to play the game, to it goes to someone who streams to 100,000 people, and now everyone's talking about it, it's the next biggest hit. So like, there's so much drama in that discord from like, people in my genre, in my realm, of existence being like, well, I deserve some of that income revenue from your stream because you wouldn't know about the game unless I told you. And I'm just like, you know what? It's not about me. It's about the game. Like if I pushed 10, 100, 1,000 more units at this game, good for the publisher. It doesn't I like affect that me. They, that they honestly think they are uh, enticed to a portion of your revenue just because they told you about the game. And now since your video told no, I I just don't want to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> get into that it's so fucking stupid yeah i mean money is probably the biggest problem amongst uh people in our line of work because we all have a self-value and what we value ourselves at and you know sometimes we feel like we get cheated um but you, you know you have to be professional about it and if you and a developer don't come to terms on something like uh monetary compensation or something like that then you can't go back at them afterwards and be like well look at this video like you paid me 20 bucks to make this video and like 2,000 people saw it i kind of want more money because i know people like that i actually am friends with some people like that on twitter who will try to go back and renegotiate a contract with a developer publisher after the video gets bigger thinking they deserve it i mean i don't care like 
I if, wouldn't, if, I wouldn't if, do that. I, I personally wouldn't do that. If they think they can do it, sure, but... I mean, all you do is you burn a bridge because you don't know what that developer or publisher or developer-publisher's next game's gonna be. Not, not, not only that, but, like, on, on the other hand, it's like, why why go back and renegotiate a contract when Avers. you just can when you just brought exposure to the game and yourself that was the goal like i see i see this like we both um so the, the like we already uh, established at the start i get the key from the dev to produce content i cannot guarantee that my content will be successful the Death can't guarantee that this game will be successful, so it gives me more views on my content, right? So, this is the only thing we actually can do, is they give me their content, uh, they give me the key, I produce the best content I can and then put it out there and hope for the best. It's exactly. a gamble for both sides. And when it blows up, the Death is happy, I'm happy, and I can just take my leave. So whatever. I mean, we're just both here to expose ourselves, so... But, I mean... Maybe we are secretly exhibitionists. Could be. But I've, 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 worked, I've worked with some good developer publishers who've paid me, like, a few bucks to, to review the game. And then after the success of the game, they came back and said, you know, the video did pretty well. Let's give you a few more bucks. And I'm like, no, just, just keep me in mind for the next game. Because the next game might be gangbusters. And you remembering I did you the solid this time puts me in your mind next time. And then I might reap the benefits next time and so forth and so on. So, I mean, I'm not here to get over on anybody. Like, as we've discovered, discussed in, in length that, you know, we'll take the product from the developer publisher, the Steam key, and we'll do our best to get them over the best way we can. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you can't ruin that relationship with sour grapes. Yeah, yeah. I would actually agree to that. So is there okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one last question and then we we'll wrap. Okay. Yes. Okay, it sounded like you wanted to say something after the okay. <laughs> well I've just been enjoying talking to you. Like I just keep I could go for like another couple of hours, but I know it's kind <laughs> different. I mean so. we can we can just go after after we finish the podcast, you know. I don't um so if how do content creators can achieve world peace? That's how you're gonna chop my head off, huh? Um, okay. You you know my questions. You should have been prepared that something like that comes. Jeez, uh, that took my head and my arms off. Uh, how can I, as a content creator, create world peace? I, I mean, honestly, perfect world. You know, you're just putting out the the right content that uh, so many people enjoy across boundaries, whether it be political, religious, sexual boundaries, whatever. And you can just create a unifying, I'm not gonna say utopia because that's kind of a, a niche, uh, niche word type of experience. But I mean, if we all could just get together and just make content that's not divisive, because there's people out there, you know who you are, you're probably not listening to this because you're too much of a Damn. coward, but there's people out there uh, who specifically make dividing content to, to piss you off one way or another, whether it be your political beliefs, your religious beliefs, your sexual beliefs, they're gonna do it on purpose because it controversy uh controversy equals cash so if we all take the step back and just realize you know what if we could all just make good mellow easygoing content over big titty girls and people getting their heads chopped off the world would be a better place because you know we're not we're not trying to divide anybody i mean we in general i feel like that we as content creators do not try to hurt anyone. Exactly. At least because... I'm personally not setting out to do that. And I think there needs to be, this is really gonna get me in trouble with it, the indie game community, but uh, I think 
developer publishers have the exact same responsibility as that we as content creators have as well. Uh, actually, I got into a, a verbal argument on Twitter over this about not pushing uh, divisive topics in your game. And someone took that as, what, I can't use my personal thoughts and beliefs and understandings to make a game? No, I'm not saying that. You can do that, but you shouldn't make a game knowing it's going to cause harm I, one I'm, way or another. I'm... I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, go a step further. What I don't like is I I don't mind a lot of people say um, like get politics out of gaming. What I want indie devs and gaming devs in general is be smart about it if you put it into your game. Don't go around and smack everyone with a sledgehammer in the face to convey your message because it's fucking lame and everyone can do it. Be smart about it. You want more like satirical undertones instead of like blatant, heavily written, heavy handed, like this is bad because this is bad. You want more of like, yeah, if you did that, it'd be a lot worse and you know, ha ha ha. I get that. I, no, I, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily have to have to be um, satirical. You can also make an allegory, but True. a good one. Like I, I, I don't mind like conveying a political message in a video game. Just make it good. Don't make it like the most low-hanging effort fruit you can do. That's like not this. what I want. I want to see games elevate themselves so they can be more than they are actually are than and they I actually are i completely agree with you it's just i i just i feel like some people make a game because they know what they're doing and they're like this is gonna piss a lot of people off if i make this which is fine if that's your end goal but it shouldn't be your end goal to piss people off uh i see games as a way to escape in most part uh, we're not all six foot five barbarians you know, scavenging resources, building our own houses. I mean, that's not the way we are anymore. You know, I want to be a, a space pilot or someone who wields a lightsaber from time to time. Like, that's cool. That's like, I want to get out of my workaday life, my rut, and go out there. Like, I don't want to play a game where I'm like a rat race worker being crushed by the government. And it's just so heavy handed. I'm just like, this isn't fun to me. Like, why would I go from like, this is basically what my life is. Let's just play that on my computer instead of my real life. But I mean, there is a place and a time for controversy in games, but it has to be done just right. You know, it, there has to be that fine line between uh, taking it a step above what it's supposed to be and not doing it in, in a harmful manner. In which I'm seeing a lot more games uh, coming out that are pushing agendas, but good agendas. Like the amount of uh, uh, LGBTQA games that are coming out and trans games, stuff like that, is amazing. I played a game a year and a half ago called Becoming. And it was a visual novel about a guy who falls in love uh, with his ex-best friend's brother who turned into a girl who, who transitioned. And it was an amazing game. It had some nudity, had a blowout, blow I know that. Thanks, YouTube. Um, but it was panned because the, it was written by a non-English uh, speaker. So the, the language didn't make a lot of sense, per se. But the topics, the understanding of it was huge. But it was panned because it wasn't written properly. And that person just walked away from gaming. Like, she had a whole bunch of other games in the series planned. And she was basically outcast because of the way it was written. But it was a, a moving game, a, a great game. And I think more people should have played that. But, you know, I did a full playthrough of it on my channel. I tweeted about it. I put it out there. Just no one was interested in those. Now, I feel like if she released that game now, it would 
probably be kind of successful. Yeah, I think, and that's another, that's probably another gripe I have with uh, the indie game community. Uh, but that's more a personal thing because I say it again, I'm a trained translator and interpreter uh, for English, Russian, and Italian. And um, I always see like a lot of spelling mistakes, a lot of spelling errors, terrible translations because they used uh, uh, AI to do it and didn't proofread it afterwards. Please stop doing that, devs. Just a general message. Please don't. Get a pro. On, uh, <laughs> I'm actually doing that. I'm actually doing English localization for two games at the moment as well. Going One's from Russian to English and one is from Italian to English. So they've sent me the, the full script of the game and... You know, you just sit there, you just read the script. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Please send me the game so I can figure this out. And so they send me the game, and I'm like, okay, I understand now. But it's just like, it, I mean, I might hear the knock non-English native speakers because I live in America. English is foremost the language here, and the rest of the world people kind of learn as a second or third language. So I don't expect your English to be perfect. Like you said, just don't plug into Google. Just don't yeah. take your whole sentence, throw it into Google and be like, copy paste. Because you end up with sentences like, I put my fist in my mouth and I became a banana. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I especially experienced that. I, I experienced the, the spelling errors more with when I play like uh, TV visual novels. Mm -hmm. They are very prevalent there. Just <laughs> hire me. Uh, and uh, the the other grammatical errors and whatnot and bad translation I find more in that's more the German translations. Um, I just which game was it? Oh yeah, I played against the storm. Wonderful game has just one terrible flaw. It's Epic Games uh, Store exclusive, Ooh. and the German translation is absolute shite. What what is the main language that most of those games come from? Is it Japanese English. or? Uh, um, I think Against the Storm could be English. Um, the other one, the titty visual novels, are all Japanese. Yeah, okay. I, m I imagine translating from Japanese to German might be a little bit more, more, a little difficult. Uh, it isn't as difficult as you might think. Like I said, I'm a, tra a trained translator. As soon as you command a language, you can basically pretty much do it. Yes, it's probably complicated and more complicated than uh, English to German because it's culturally, culturally closer to one another. <laughs> But it's still not impossible or much harder. The, the problem often is that you stumble over words that have a certain cultural significance in one place of the world that doesn't even exist in the other world. So you have to find a substitute and that's what we have been trained to do. That goes a lot into a good translation. It's not just changing words. But, I, I, but I'm with you. Like, there's so many developers, publishers who just who their only asset is is Google, Google Translate. And it seems like if I, if I was gonna make a game in English and translate it to let's say Russian or German, like I would try to find someone. It may cost me more money than I'm willing to pay, but if I want to localize it to those regions, like I want to make sure those gamers and those players have the best experience possible, instead of looking at the screen being like, what the hell are they talking about? What is this? Maybe I can hire you for some of that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I'm open for everything. Uh, okay, then let's just uh, let this peter out a little bit. Um, I've been the Orcosaurus. You can find me on twitch.tv slash the Orcosaurus. You can find me on YouTube Orcocast on all socials the Orcosaurus. And more importantly, if you want to have early access to 
the podcasts if you want to enjoy my uh, more spicier videos uncensored you can check me out on patreon it's patreon.com backslash the orcocast uh, not the orcocast Orco- the orcosaurus i apologize and haunted husband where can we find you uh, you can find me on twitter at uh, haunted underscore husband you can find me on youtube as haunted husband on twitch also as haunted husband uh you can contact me through my business email at haunted husband lp at gmail if you have any type of games or questions about me um that's basically where you can find me uh from those links you can find me everywhere else okay then thank you for coming in thank you for being the first in what is hopefully a big line of people coming in here and thank you so uh, thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure i enjoyed listening to the podcast you are an absolute treasure and i would love to come back at some point oh i will definitely get you back at some point okay everyone take care bye bye